Some of y'all got worried about the spy robot. Uh, that could have been dangerous, but it'd be okay. All right, guys, we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about between advents because we are living between two advents. Years ago, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came, came to be the hope of this world. Now we sit here and we wait. We eagerly wait for his return, but a lot of people get hung up on what do we do while we wait. Now, I don't know about y'all, but waiting is not something that I'm very good at. It's not something that I like to do. Last night, we had the opportunity to go help Joey in the Christmas play, parade with his float. Um, some of y'all saw it. Y'all saw the 13-foot Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and my job was to make sure that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer didn't get into a high line and burst into flames, which would have been disastrous for all. But Jennifer says we need to leave by 3.30. And I agree, because we're going to go eat before. Three o'clock comes around, she says, are you ready? And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, why are we leaving early? You never know, we're gonna go get something to eat and it may take a long time. So we get, the, we get to the restaurant, we eat, we eat real fast. And by four o'clock, we're done. We don't have to be at the parade route until five o'clock to even get ready to wait for another hour. So I'm sitting there thinking, what are we going to do? So I come up with a great idea. Let's go look at Christmas lights. There's only one problem. It's four o'clock during the day. You can't see Christmas lights. So we go get gas. We do all these other things. And we get to the parade route and we're still early. And we're sitting there and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. Do you know what happens to kids when they're waiting? They don't wait very well. They don't wait very well at all. They were running around, they were jumping everywhere, and then Joey brings out this huge tub of candy. I mean, monstrous. So you put waiting kids around a big tub of candy. What do you think is going to happen? They were jacked up for hours. Wound tight. Finally, it all come about. We got to go in the parade, and again, we're sitting there walking through, and as I'm waiting... I'm sitting there and I'm looking, I look over and I see some of our people over there on the horses and I'm thinking, thank God I'm not behind the horses. <laughs> Get on up the road a little bit. Some horse went before us because it left its mark and I stepped all in it. But again, I'm sitting there and I'm watching all these people, all these little kids and the anticipation that's in their eyes. As they watch these floats goes by, go by, as they watch the parade go by, as they watch the band play, the excitement, the anticipation, the hope that they have. And at some time in our life, I don't know when that is, at some point in time in our life, we all lose that anticipation. We lose that hope. We lose anticipating something better. The day-to-day -day life that we live in, let's be honest, it gets mundane. It gets old. And we're always looking for something better. This isn't a problem that's just come about. It's a problem that's been around for a long while. And Paul even addresses it in one of his letters. In 1 Corinthians, and that's where we're going to be. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, sound team in the back, I know I put on there we pick up in verse 1, but we're actually going to pick up in verse 3. 
But Paul is addressing the Corinthian church about what they should be doing during this time of waiting. How they should be responding. How they should be acting. But not only that, he's addressing them about one of the greatest gifts that they could ever be given. And he says in verse 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, this is what he says. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. That in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge. Even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you. So that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also conform you in the, confirm you in the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, through whom you were called and into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Over the last couple of months, years, we've been hearing a lot about end times, and it's something that we really anticipate. I pick up Ricky this morning, and he's asking me these same questions. Scotty, do you think we're close? I don't know. I don't know. Because what we don't understand is, as soon as Jesus left the scene, as soon as he ascends up into the heavens, guess what people are looking for? They're looking for his return. Multiple times we see it in the scripture of people looking for his return. They're always anticipating that he will be coming. And a lot of people thought that he would come before their lives had, were even over. And we find ourselves in that same attitude today. We're seeking him. We're seeking something better. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes in seeking something better, I think we forget what is being given to us? One of the things that we forget, most importantly, is the gift of grace. The gift of grace. Grace is one of the most important gifts that we can ever be given. Before we asked for it, grace was given. Before we realized our need for it, grace was there. Before we could find it, grace found us. And there's a couple of things that we really got to understand about grace. Paul is offering grace to the Corinthian church, but he's also offering a grace that has been given to him. And some of the things that we don't consider about grace is, you know, there's no guilt in grace. You ever thought about that? There is no guilt in grace. Grace is a gift. It's not alone, okay? It's not alone. It's not something that we can pay back. And sometimes we get this feeling when it comes to grace that we owe something. And I'm not saying that we don't. But at the same time, a sense of gift, guilt comes about us because we think that this is something that we've got to work back to. Guilt is a trap. You know what guilt does? Guilt keeps you from moving forward. Guilt holds you where you are and it won't let you take one step forward. But grace is not like that, guys. 
Our past guilt lock us in a prison. And the crazy thing is, we're locked in a prison that grace has set us free from. Scripture is clear. John 3.16, who knows it? For God... What's 17? What's 17? For God sent his son to the world, not to condemn it, but to set it free. So we always stop at 16. And we lose the grace that is given to us in 17. Now, that's another thing about grace. It's not exactly something that we can lose. Also in grace, there's no obligation. Like I said, grace is a gift. It's not a loan. If I go to, back, if I go to the bank right now and I take out a loan, what am I expected to do? Pay it back. Grace is given to you with no strings attached. And I know a lot of people say, no, hold on, Scotty. No, hold on. Hold on. It's given with no strings attached. Because if it is given with strings attached, it's not a gift. It becomes an obligation. And we miss these things about grace, especially when we're trying to extend this grace to others. Yes, and this is, John MacArthur said this, and I love the way he said this. Yes, we are indebted to Christ, but we have no debt. Think about that. By grace, yes, we're indebted to Christ, but you know what grace does? It nullified the death. The wages, the payment of sin is what? And grace paid the debt. Yes, we're indebted to him. But the thing is, we cannot pay for our salvation, whether it's before our salvation or even after our salvation. We can't pay it back. If you were to start today to try to pay back the debt that has been paid for your sin, when do you think you'd be paid? When do you think you'd be paid up? Never a day. And we miss this. This is what grace does. And you know what else? In grace, the merit of man doesn't stand a chance. Grace is not what we deserve. We don't deserve grace. We deserve death. death. And we all the time say, that, man, I feel like I've got to pay Jesus back. And we work, and we work, and we work. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't work. But what happens in our mind is when we start working and we start working for Christ, as we say, we feel like our merit gives us some entitlement. Because of what I've done, I'm owed this. You're not owed nothing. We're not owed a thing. We are owed nothing, absolutely nothing for what we do. 
Human merit says, if I do this, I should get this. Merit always expects something in return. Grace is absolutely void of merit. Guilt and grace cannot exist together. Obligation and grace cannot exist together. Merit and grace cannot exist together. Grace is the free gift that we are given. And brothers and sisters, this is our hope. This is our hope. This is the hope of why we celebrate this season. This is the hope of why we hold to these truths that we get from his word. Because by grace, we are saved. And it's not of our own selves. So I want to ask you a couple questions. What do you deserve? What do you really deserve? Spouses, look at each other. Hey, baby. Look at each other. Come on. Do you deserve your spouse? Do you really deserve your spouse? And I know we're quick to say yes. But have you ever messed up? Have you ever messed up? You ever messed up to the point that you think there is no way my spouse is ever going to forgive me for this? When you buy an iron for a Christmas present, that is the type of messing up I'm talking about. (laughs) It was self-cleaning. Give me a break. (laughs) But when we really think about it, and I look at my spouse, and I look at how beautiful she is, I look at how great she is to me, I look at how wonderful she is with those boys, I sit back and I think to myself, I don't deserve this. What about your kids? Look at your kids. Do you deserve them? Now, I know there's sometimes when you say, I don't deserve this, and that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Do you deserve your kids? The love that they bring, the joy that they bring, the happiness that they bring your heart when they say those little things like, I love you. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, there's days I, I creep in at night. You know, you want to know the real reason the boys want to spy a robot? Because their daddy creeps in their room at 12 o'clock and I look at them and I pray over them, okay? They're wanting to spy on me at 12 o'clock too. But I sit there and I look at my boys as they sleep and I think to myself, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this at all. There's days I look at my home. I look at my home and I think to myself, there is no reason I deserve this. I look at my car and I say the same thing. There is no reason that I deserve this. I look at my job. I look at my life. And I think to myself, there is no reason that I deserve this. And it's all true. We deserve nothing. We deserve absolutely nothing. What's crept into our mind is a mindset of entitlement. We work for these things. 
So we deserve these things. I deserve my car because I worked for it to buy it. But you know what we never do? We never give thanks to the one who gave us the ability to work to buy that car. I deserve my home because I have done a lot for it. I have put a lot into it, fixing to start painting. Anybody wants to come help, come on, help out. But we put a lot of work into our home and we think we deserve it because we work for this and we never even acknowledge the one who really gave us that home. Our wives, our husbands, our children, they're all the same thing. We think that we've worked for them. We deserve them. We're entitled to them. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is clear that every good gift comes from God. It's not of our works. It's because of the things that he's allowed us to do in our works. And this whole thing of entitlement has crept in and it's crept in in such a dangerous way that even in the church, we think we're entitled to things. Pastors think that they're entitled to things just because of the work they put in. Music ministers the same way, associate pastors, children's ministers, youth ministers, but even congregations. Well, Scotty, my family helped build this church. No, God helped build this church. Well, Scotty, but I tithe every Sunday. Yeah, but God gives you the ability to tithe. But Scotty, I serve in every ministry out there. Guys, I'm right there with you. I've even invented some ministries to serve in that didn't last, but still. But it's not of us. And you want to know why it's not of us? Because if it is all about us, then there is no hope. There's no hope whatsoever. There's no hope whatsoever because we are going to mess up. There's no hope because we are going to continue to fail. And that's why we needed a greater hope. And that's the exact hope that Paul is coming to the Corinthian church in. He says to him again, I'm going to read it again, grace in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God. God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, I thank God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you, not which was earned by you, not which was worked by, for, by you, but which was given to you. And then he goes on to say that we're saints. Think about that. We're saints. How many of you deserve to be a saint? I don't even deserve to be a minor. But he's given this to us. We're saints. And that's what grace does. Grace continually reminds us of what we've been given. But grace also continually reminds us of what we don't deserve. Brothers and sisters, we did not deserve for Jesus to reach down and take us out of that pit. We did not deserve for Jesus to take that sin that we committed upon himself and die for our sins. 
We really don't even deserve that next breath. And that's how beautiful the grace of God is. He keeps giving. He keeps giving. And he keeps giving. So while we wait, while we wait, what should we do? Well, grace isn't the only gift that's talked about right here. Grace is not the only gift because there are multiple others. In verse 5, he says that in everything you were enriched. Now, whenever we think about the word enriched, we always think about more money. But enriched can mean many different things. Enriched can be increased. Enriched can be made of greater value. Or enriched can be just like they talk about with plutonium or uranium. It has to be enriched to make nuclear energy. And what's happened in that? Parts of that element are enriched to where it has amazing power. When we're enriched, we have an amazing power that is in us. And two of those powers that we're enriched by, he mentions next. Listen to him. You are enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. How many of y'all like to talk? How many of you like to talk to yourself? <laughs> Whenever I want to have an educated conversation, that's what I do. I talk to myself, not really. We like to talk. We like to talk about specific things. I love to talk about the outdoors. I love to talk about my boys. I love to talk about my wife. I love to talk about NASCAR. I love to talk about football. Some of you don't want to talk about football today, and I understand. But we love to talk about things that we are interested in. But the gift that is given here is the gift of speech and knowledge of what? Of grace. We're given this gift to speak and to know about grace. So I've got to ask, what are we doing with it? You know, I used to think a long time ago that if God gave you a gift, and when I'm talking about a gift, I'm talking about a talent, an ability, that if you did not use that gift, he would take it away from you. Anybody else ever thought that? Do you know how theologically incorrect that is? Do we understand how theologically incorrect that is? He gives you a gift, but then he takes it away. Then is it really a gift? No. And one of the people in the Bible that a lot of individuals use to talk about this is a man by the name of Zacharias. And in Luke chapter 1, read it later. But in Luke chapter 1, we're introduced to a man by the name of Zacharias. Zacharias has an interesting story. Zacharias was a priest. And it came about that it was his time to be doing his priestly duties. One of those priestly duties was to go into the temple and to light the incense, the altar of incense. And as he went into the temple... Zacharias, who was a very old man at this time, was visited by an angel. And the angel told him, he said, Zacharias, God has heard 
what you and your wife have been wanting most. He has heard that you want a child, and I want you to know that it is granted. Zacharias's response is one that I can understand. To put it in modern day terms, this, Zacharias would pretty much looked at the angel and said, you've lost your mind. You've lost your mind. The angel says, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John. And because of your unbelief, you are not going to be able to say a word until it happens. What's Zacharias' job? He's a priest. You know what's pretty important for priest? Speaking. Speaking. Speaking is very important for a priest. Not only that, it's a gift for a priest. Because that gift is to expound on the Word of God. Have you ever tried to expound on the Word of God without words? You ever tried it? Draw a picture. Can you imagine Pictionary up here? Can you imagine me get up here and we just do a whole sermon on Pictionary? Nobody would know what I drew because I can't draw. Is that an elephant? Sure is. <laughs> but honestly, here's Zacharias as a, as a priest. One of the main things that a priest is to do is to speak. And this has been taken from him. So what comes about? What comes about is simple. As the angel said, Zacharias and Elizabeth become pregnant with child. Elizabeth did, not Zacharias. Once they have the child, Zacharias is still not able to speak. They look at Elizabeth and they say, Elizabeth, what are we going to name this child? And Elizabeth said, his name will be John. You want to know what's crazy about this? Sit and think about this for a minute. Zacharias was visited by the angel, right? <clears throat> right? Zacharias was told that the child's name was going to be John, right? Where did Elizabeth get that message? You ever thought about that? Everybody looks at Elizabeth and said, you're crazy. There ain't, even, there ain't even anybody in your family that is named John. Why are you going to name your son John? So they go to Zacharias and they tell Zacharias, Zacharias, here is a tablet. Write down what you want your son to be called. And he writes down his name is John. And as soon as he writes that down, instantly, he's able to speak. And he prophesies. Why is this important? One of the main reasons that we don't use the gift of speech that we have and knowledge that we have is because of our lack of faith. Just like Zacharias could not speak because his lack of faith, sometimes even our lack of faith holds us back from speaking. God didn't take the gift away from Zacharias. Did he hinder it? Sure, he hindered it. 
But what really took away the gift? Lack of faith. And I know we talk about it a lot. Why aren't we sharing the gospel? It's a lack of faith. This candle right here symbolizes the light of the world. Do you believe that? This candle symbolizes Christ. Do you believe that he's the answer for every problem that we may have? First candle represents the gift of hope that he's given us. Do you believe that he is our only hope? The more we're talking about it. And I know a lot of people say, well, Scotty, this comes easy to you. This is what you're called to do. Brothers and sisters, you're given a voice. You're called to it too. You are given knowledge. You're called to it too. But it's easier for you. Eric, where's Eric at? Stand up, Eric. Yeah. Flex for us. No, seriously, Eric, stand up and flex for us. I'll flex back at you. Come on, bro. Every one of us, y'all, y'all bear with me for a minute. Eric's cut. I mean, chiseled. Eric's 50 years old and he's chiseled. And every one of us have the ability to be that chiseled. Why aren't we? He's disciplined and we're not. Same thing with the word of God. Every one of us had the ability to speak, so why don't we? We're disciplined or not. So here's your assignment. Because this Advent series is going a little bit different. Light of the world, the only hope for the world. Who are you going to share the hope of the world with this week? And I'm not talking just about, I'll pray for you. I'm not talking about Jesus loves you. I'm talking about he died for the sins that you committed. He took on the debt that you could never repay. And in response, he has given you grace that you could never earn. It's that simple. It's that simple. He is the hope of the world. But unless he's heard about, the world doesn't know he exists. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, thanking you that you are the hope of this world. Thanking you that you have given us these gifts, these gifts to speak. And Father, during this time of invitation, I pray that our hearts would be turning towards that individual that we're going to speak to this week. I pray that you would embolden us with the Holy Spirit to do the work that you've called us to and to help us to remember this, Lord, that you have enriched us with speech. You have enriched us with knowledge. And just as your scripture says, we lack nothing. Father, help us as we be bold and as we show the hope that you've shown us
to a hopeless world. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 7. 1 Corinthians verse 7. Because I know in your mind a lot of you are thinking, I can't do this. I'm not equipped to this. Then this verse is a lie. Because it says that... <clears throat> It says, so that you are not lacking any gift that you need as you await, eagerly await the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's given you everything you need. And for some of you this morning, he may be giving you the opportunity to respond to a grace that you've never understood. A grace that you thought you had to earn. A grace that you thought brought obligation. A grace that you thought was done by a merit. And a grace that come with guilt. That's not grace. That's not grace. Because the, G the grace that Jesus Christ offers is no strings attached. Amen. So this morning, if for the first time God is moving your heart, I'm asking you, trust in that grace. As we stand, as they sing, who's that one individual you're going to share hope with this week? Not only that, this morning, if you need grace, this morning is the day of salvation. Tommy.